Welcome to the Mind Podium, where we talk about all things mental health. I'm your host, Piali. Having lived with clinical depression and anxiety for over 23 years, I aim to reduce the shame, stigma, ignorance, and apathy around mental illness, raise awareness around mental health, and through meaningful, open conversations, give hope to those who are struggling. My guest today is Dr. Samir Parikh, Director of Department of Mental Health and Behavioral Sciences at Fortis Hospital. Dr. Parikh is an eminent psychiatrist, has been associated with the Fortis Hospital for close to 10 years, is a mental health advocate, and has written many books on mental health. Dr. Parikh, this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for agreeing to sit down to have a conversation with me. I think that the fundamental problem with mental health today is that a lot of people just don't have a basic understanding of what mental health is and therefore what constitutes mental illness, right? Um, so what I will first start with is to request you to actually break it down in simple layman language. What is mental health and therefore what is mental illness? See, what is health? Health is a state where you are well physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, psychologically, spiritually. It's also a state that you do not have any illness and that you are able to contribute fruitfully to the society and lead a good life. Now, that's what encompasses all aspects of health, including mental health. Mental illness, like physical illness, is when your, how your body goes through, let's say, in diabetes, issues with insulin, you start having certain symptoms. They impair your life's functionality. You go take treatment, which may be in forms of tablet, lifestyle correction, diet, so on and so forth, maybe insulin. Similarly, thyroid or let's say COVID right now. That you are aware of certain symptoms, you have them, you go meet a doctor, the doctor tells you what to do, gives you treatment, so on and so forth. Similarly, when it comes to mental illness, these are also medical illnesses as well defined as any other form of health or illnesses that is there. There is a standardized way to approach the diagnosis worldwide. And broadly speaking, if let's say for a continuous period in time, let's say about two weeks, I'm just randomly giving you a number because in some illnesses, the number of days may be more or less. You have changes and the changes could be in your mood, in your behavior, in your thought process, in your social engagement, in your productivity, which is work or your occupation. And these symptoms are affecting your overall well-being, which have an almost clear-cut onset and a direct impact and your life's overall quality of functionality is going down, it is being impaired. That means you may be having an illness, go meet a physician, physician will help you take it forward. I mean, I think the important thing to remember here is that it is in fact an illness, right? Um, I think that um, often we find people not taking it as seriously as a physical illness, which is really where the problem is and which is really where there is a need to raise awareness. Piali, the right way to look at this is we should stop using the word physical illness or mental illness. It's a medical illness. Now, medical exactly. illness could be physical, mental, both, one or the other. An illness is an illness, which is not a matter of choice. There is a reason why we get it. There is an identification to around it, which follows guidelines, which are followed worldwide. There is evidence-based treatment, which is followed worldwide. And that's how you approach it. Society needs to understand to see illness as an illness and stop compartmentalizing into mental health or physical health. See health as a whole. Look at WHO's definition of health. It's a whole definition. It doesn't say oh, five parts to it. It says all of these make one complete self and that's health. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, that's just so, so important to actually internalize and, you know, understand, right? 
Um, so my next question is, you know, what is the role that the family and the immediate ecosystem plays in encouraging someone to reach out for help? Because often uh, what happens, and I know, of course, you know, things have changed a lot and particularly post-COVID, I think we've definitely seen things change for the better in terms of awareness building around mental health. But often uh, it is the immediate, you know, sort of friend circle of family that almost discourage you from actually reaching out for help saying, oh, why do you even need this? And you're not mad, so don't go to a psychiatrist. You know, this this is something that's that's very real as a problem, even today in our country, right? So um, what I, I want you to sort of elaborate on is the crucial role that, you know, family and friend circle play in encouraging someone to reach out for help when the person that is suffering from the illness may or may not actually be sure whether he or she is ill, right? So let's understand this. More than 70% of all, 75%, in fact, of all people worldwide, if you would ask them one of the reasons why they hesitate to seek help, it is the stigma surrounding it. Yeah. What is stigma? Stigma is other people thinking something, which then you end up internalizing. So social stigma, you let it become a self-stigma and then it affects your own behavior and your own well-being. Now, we need to create spaces where conversations are easy. How will that happen? If you are non-judgmental. The moment your conversation goes, it's your fault. Oh, you should do this. Go do this. So if let's say somebody comes to you and says, I've been having a lot of headache and some giddiness. You will not tell that person, have lots of water and go do it. Exactly, a exactly. You will not I'm say, so go listen to music it. and read. Yeah. yeah. Right? You will say, why don't you see a physician? And maybe it might be a neuro problem or a physical problem or something else. We should evaluate. Now, let's say somebody comes and tells you, hey, I haven't been sleeping for three nights. And you should just do one thing, you know, take this or do that. Or is it because you're doing this or that? Your response should be, how about talking to a physician? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one can't stress enough on this. Let's take an example here. I'll give you an example. You know, 5% of the world's population, as per the last data, has depression. It's amongst the single largest illnesses in the world, which basically means I, as an individual, is more likely to have depression than some of the other illnesses because certain neurotransmitters or in simple language chemicals may be impacted in my body. So you need to, on the contrary, recognize the fact that when I experience physical pain of if I have something in my abdomen or pain in my head, and you give me empathy, you give me care, you give me support, you do the same if I'm feeling sadness because sadness is a symptom of an illness. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, I mean, uh, elaborating a little more on the stigma and the shame and uh, not just that, I think the sheer apathy that exists, right? Uh, ignorance, uh, lack of information, misinformation, myths, right? Um, you know, I, I'm just curious to know more about uh, what Fortis Hospital is doing uh, to eradicate this. I know there is a lot of good work that is happening, uh, you know, by the department that you've, uh, you're heading. And, uh, you know, if you could uh, sort of take us through some of the key initiatives that have been taken by Fortis Hospital in the last couple of years, and especially through the pandemic, uh, to help people reach out for help. Uh, I am, you know, very much aware of the helpline that you have, which is a, an absolutely brilliant initiative where people can actually call a toll free number and get you know first aid help uh, as far as mental health is concerned in 16 different Indian languages uh, making it truly truly democratic for anyone out there to actually reach out but other than that I, I'm keen to understand the work that uh, has gone into eradicating shame stigma apathy ignorance uh, misinformation um, in in the space of mental health so I'll be honest here, and I think it's very important for us to understand that what we've done is 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 a is a drop in an ocean. The kind of landscape and the effort collectively required by the society at a consistent level is huge. The task is very very humongous in front of us. Yes, at our own level, we do a bit, 
uh, we do have uh, the Fortis School Mental Health Program, which is an absolute free of cost initiative for any school across the country. We've, uh, as a part of that, we do this pro social peer moderator program where we focus on application of life skills, train children to become more peer moderators. So continue the learning in their school, keep doing it year after year. We have around six modules, so which includes study and exam skills, aggression management, risk behavior management, media literacy, something that I very, very strongly believe in, gender sensitization and Recently, we've added on environment because ecology needs to be given a perspective for the modern day young people because it's their world that is going to be out there in several years and we need to ensure that we give them the right environment. Along with that, we have a, uh, an initiative that we call Bully to Buddy, which is around both uh, bullying that happens in physical or on the online spaces. We do run the helpline. We have a uh, fun way of learning as well. We do this annual quiz every year called Psych. Um, code has a kind of slightly um, brought in a mild little hiccup into it, but uh, it spreads across uh, 300 uh, cities and towns of our country. You know, um, last time we had 15,000 children taking part in that uh, uh, that quiz. Is what we do at school level, amongst other things. We have a mental health curriculum which we've written, which is now being used by several schools where we train teachers into doing that and psychological first aid. And this, so, which is what we are doing at school. Uh, we have a corporate program as well. Um, we focus on workplace mental health. During COVID, we've taken probably around 1,000 odd workshops across India. Um, earlier on work from home, dealing with uncertainty, now the, the hybrid, dealing with the anxiety. So many aspects of COVID. This is just the last year, year and a half of COVID I'm talking about. We do have our 24-hour helpline. You mentioned that, which is done by clinicians by giving their own time, essentially. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, you mentioned the books. Um, our recent book that has just come out is Alone in the Crowd, a Rupa publication, which is about urban loneliness. And the previous one was around painting, uh, raising confident children. And then some of the other work that we've done. We Right now, for those uh, uh, who want to um, see how they can work on their own, staying mentally fit, as we call it, you know, there's an e-reader on how to stay, keep your mind fit during the pandemic, which we wrote uh, during the pandemic uh, last year. So these are some of the aspects we do. We have a sports program and work closely with grassroots and elite athletes and support them with uh, sports psych. Uh, otherwise, one of the things that what Fortis Healthcare has done is the integration, which I think is, if one has to see what contribution Fortis Healthcare really has made, besides the community work that is done by the program, is I think integration of mental health in mainstream healthcare, which I think Fortis Healthcare remarkably stands out for. For example, um, I'll, I'll take an example of oncology. So if you or a family has is, is taking treatment for any of the specialties in, in, in onco, you will get to meet uh, either a sick oncologist or a psychologist, a counselor, somebody to deal with family, somebody to help you go through the process, an art-based therapist for that matter. Similarly, for post-cardiac surgeries, dialysis, a lot of other chronic cares uh, with, with the neurosurgeries. So in those places where, in, and we've integrated it. So across the network, you will have the psychological support, which during COVID played a big part because we were able to talk to the families, give patients the support that was required. So integration of uh, psychological processes, services and interventions in pure medical problems. And I think that's something for all healthcare providers to look into. It's very important that when we talk about complete healthcare and holistic healthcare, it cannot happen in absence of psychology. So psychology integration yeah. into mainstream healthcare, I think is one of the things that Fortis Healthcare has uh, been very, very proactive in. And that goes to our, our, our leadership, our, our management, our the approach of right from top, which is a constant encouragement of ensuring that we look at people as people and not people as symptoms and illnesses. And if you look at people as people, psychological, emotional, social support has to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think th this is just so important what you said and just deeply, deeply resonates with me 
having lived with, uh, you know, the treatment resistant form of depression and anxiety for over 23 years. And I think that um, in my in my journey in in uh, with with the illness, uh, a lot of psychologists that I've met, right, um, have told me to never let the illness define you, right? And that's, I think, pretty much what you're saying, that, you know, the illness should not define you. Yes, it is a part of your life. And yes, it is something that you have to either live with or manage. And yes, it does impact uh, a large part of your life. In fact, it touches every part of your life, but it it still does not define you, right? And thank you so much for, for sort of, you know, sharing that with us. Doctor, I want to, uh, you know, now talk about the role of popular culture, you know, um, Bollywood, for example, anything and everything that influences culture, right? in shaping the mental health narrative in the country. I just came across uh, an article in the Indian Express that talks about this film called Atrangi Re, which I have not watched, uh, mainly because I don't watch so much of Bollywood, but uh, it, it stars, I think, Akshay Kumar and Sara Ali Khan. And uh, Sara plays uh, a schizophrenic uh, woman in the film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the article was really about how it just makes a total mockery of a very, very serious illness that affects millions of people across the world. And all for, uh, you know, just a couple of laughs and, you know, jokes. And I think that we have uh, seen this happen uh, in, in so many ways and manners, right, that, you know, there is not you know, proper research does not take place. Uh, you know, people use mental illness um, as as um, uh, maybe uh, a means to, uh, you know, insert comedy into a situation and so on and so forth. I wanted your take on um, what should be the right way of A, building the right narrative around mental health um, and be in a country like ours where there is already so much of misinformation, apathy, stigma, um, you know, um, lack of understanding. Um, how responsibly should Bollywood or any other form of pop culture um, approach this topic? First of all, I fundamentally believe that um, freedom of creativity and freedom of expression cannot be at the cost of uh, basic dignity, sensitivity. Absolutely. Yeah. And it should not cause in any way any harm whatsoever, directly or indirectly. That has to be an aspect we all need to learn to respect being a civilization. When it comes to mental health, look at last several decades. The prominent display would be comedy. You use mental illness to use for comedy. Absolutely. Or violence, yeah. or violence or for psychopathy and things like that that you make a thriller and suddenly the person ends up having an illness. Right. What that does, the moment you use humor, you are essentially taking away the sensitivity component from people. When you use violence, you are instilling fear into people. So you're, you get and all the psychopathy. So what is happening is two sides of, either you are becoming desensitized, that you develop apathy, or you're, or you're you fearful. Fear. Yeah. Either way, either stigma continues. I Absolutely. Think yeah. Let's be very clear. We need more people to ensure that factually correct information is given. Bring it in a creative manner that reaches people, but in a sensitive manner that it also solves its purpose. And that approach has to be there, whether it is films, television shows, books, our day-to-day -day engagement, social media, whoever is having a conversation in a public space, they need to ensure that for decades and decades, people have struggled and suffered with mental ailments because of the views society had about the illness. Society needs to create a space where we are, with all the modern day advances of treatment available, bring in that component, get people help, help shape lives. And that's the approach we need to have. Let me also add one very important aspect that just came to my mind. For example, suicide, right? So every 40 seconds or so, an individual dies of suicide which means that about every 41 seconds, a family loses a loved one. There are guidelines of how to report and the reportage of suicide available. 
there are the guidelines media, around yeah. how we should have conversations around it. Follow them. So if you're talking about it, don't sensationalize, don't talk about method, don't share the last notes, don't share details, talk about the loss, mention a helpline right now while you're talking about it. Some of those aspects. Now, all of this comes from how in the public domain conversations around mental health happen. That has to be given a genuine sensitive approach and I think society needs to introspect. Thank you so much, Doctor, for sharing that with us. And I think that you made so many very, very pertinent points. And I hope that influencers of culture, I hope that uh, Bollywood, people associated with allied industries and even the media and members of the media are listening to this. I want to next talk about, uh, you know, the role of the caregiver, right? Um, and I think that, you know, uh, one of the, the sort of unfortunate things that happen to somebody fighting the mental illness, uh, whether it is any any form of mental illness, in my case, for example, it's depression and anxiety, um, is that the person going through this experience feels very isolated, right? It, it feels like a lonely battle to this person because he or she feels that nobody really understands what they're going through and nobody really understands what their mind is telling them and how different their mind is to everybody else's, right? And when I say nobody, I actually also mean your immediate surrounding. I mean, even your your family, your partner, your friends, right, your siblings do not actually have any real understanding of what you are going through unless that person has had a lived experience of it. So therefore, the whole situation becomes very lonely and isolated. And that's, I think, what makes the fight all the more harder. What, according to you, should be the role of the family. I mean, yes, I know we, we earlier spoke about how the family has a very, very important role to play uh, to encourage uh, the sufferer to kind of reach out. But in terms of educating themselves, arm, arming themselves with proper knowledge and having, you know, effective conversations, right? What is the role that you think the caregiver has to play? Let's put this in two parts. First, I also want to say that Caregiver, when it comes to, especially for chronic illnesses, caregivers also need to learn to take care of themselves and value their own self-care also. True. Very That's true. something we must, must understand. Second aspect to me, the key role of a caregiver and everybody who an individual meets essentially is a caregiver. You provide psychological first aid, which means non-judgmental, positive, support, facilitate, don't blame, don't criticize, bring in compassion, bring in affection and care. That's what you do. Second aspect, ensure compliance to treatment is there, both for the individual who has the illness and for the family that you might also have to let go of certain things, bring some change in yourself, so on and so forth. And ensure that the environment where the individual and you are continues to be a conducive, positive environment. Yes, we're all humans. We'll all slip occasionally. We'll all have our own frustrations at the time. We may struggle, which is okay. Nobody will ever be a hundred on hundred. We'll all slip every now and then. But when we talk about caregivers, both aspects need to be seen. In fact, uh, not for mental health only, but um, we have a special helpline uh, besides the 24-hour crisis intervention helpline that we have, which we have a special helpline for caregivers of and families of uh, cancer patients. I see. I which see. is run by a team of uh, psychologists uh, led by a psycho-oncologist where um, we provide for support and emotional support for them because we do realize that the caregiver also needs to be given care. I think besides the, the, the care angle that we spoke about, I think one of the things that you mentioned, which also resonated with me deeply, is the fact that you shouldn't judge, shouldn't criticize. I think uh, particularly when, let's say, you're going through a debilitating mental illness like uh, depression, often people may kind of look at you as somebody who's lazy, right? I've, I've heard that all my life uh, in my family and, you know, people thinking that I'm lazy. When you actually just can't sort of get off the bed on 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 some days uh, but it just gets so difficult for for family members to kind of understand that so i think i'm 100% here you doctor on that i also want to touch upon mental health at work my 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 specific question to you is 
how do you make workplaces more inclusive for mentally ill people, right? How do you make neurodiversity, for example, uh, a key aspect of your diversity, equity and inclusion plan? Uh, because my experience over the last 15 years of being in the corporate space and having lived experience of mental illness has been that even senior leaders, directors of very, very large companies also have little to no understanding of how to deal with somebody who is mentally ill, right? Not only is this conversation not encouraged at work, you are seen as uh, somebody who's weak, somebody who has a problem, somebody who should be isolated, not engaged with. You will be definitely discriminated against if you open up about, you know, your mental health struggles at work. And most importantly, I think uh, a lot of the times very educated senior leaders in organizations tend to dismiss it as something that doesn't even exist and it's a figment of your imagination, right? For example, I've been told by uh, a very senior leader that I was working with, just snap out of it, uh, go get a drink and you'll feel better. So these are the kind of casual comments that are, that are made at workplaces, which are actually you know, it, it just makes the situation of the sufferer worse because then the sufferer gets into the situation of, oh, is this really something that's in my mind and does it really not exist, right? Um, so gaslighting is a huge problem at, uh, at workplace when it comes to mental health. So how does one address these issues? What is the work that has been undertaken by Fortis to specifically educate people within corporate setups? And how can we make workplace more inclusive, for, pe for people that are uh, neurodiverse? We need to look at this from the other direction. I think to say that how do we make it more inclusive would not be an easy step until we first change our overall approach and environment. The milieu needs to change. Sure. Because if you just try and act at one level, and if the milieu is still the same, even though you may at a hiring level be more open, but if your atmosphere is not conducive, we've still not achieved what we wanted. And that's why it needs to first start from creating an environment where people can talk about mental health freely without feeling stigma or being judged. Open, honest conversations can happen where an acceptance about the importance of mental health happens. Until that happens, all of these other things won't happen. Once that happens, where I can go and tell my supervisor, I'm taking an off for five days because I have an anxiety problem and my doctor has said that for this problem, I need to be taking five days off. And my supervisor said, yeah, go ahead. The supervisor would have said the same thing for migraine. Absolutely. Yeah. That needs to happen first. Once that happens, then this entire inclusive component would automatically change because your mindset has changed. So it's not at entry level alone where change is required. First, change the environment and it has to be from top down. Uh, organizations, uh, vision, mission, value, all of them need to involve mental health as a significant parameter of how they define themselves in absence of positive mental health outcomes, no organization can define success. Um, doctor, mental illness, um, at least from my understanding of it, having lived with it for so long, is uh, a combination of nature and nurture, right? I mean, uh, there, are, there are certain um, inherent uh, sort of qualities. So, for example, in my case, I did inherit it. Uh, and then there would also be environmental um, uh, sort of factors that may cause it. Now, while the nature part of it is something that one doesn't really control very much, uh, what are some of the ways of, you know, protecting yourself from environmental triggers of mental illness? Let's look at it in a more scientific manner and not look at one aspect only understand this model, which is a biopsychosocial model. Biopsychosocial, three aspects. What is bio? Bio is biological factors. Biological factors would include genetics, our neurotransmitters and other internal processes, which clearly are not in our control. Second yeah. aspect is psychological aspect, which is my individual personality. How do I think? 
how do I evaluate situations? What do I do with situations? Third, my environment, how conducive it is, or what are the kinds of stresses I'm getting? It is these three components together is how you should look at cause of mental illness. And that's where your solution also lies. Understood. For biological, you use medications. For psychological, you use psychotherapy for the individual to help them go through that change. For environment, you involve family, create these community conversations like this one, mm. bring the change in the society. Right. You create at a larger macro level, emotional, financial securities for people, something that COVID should have taught all of us, that we need to have securities when people go through struggles to ensure that the mental health outcomes are not negative. And that's the way to look at mental health rather than looking at only a stressor because two people with the same stressor may not have the same reaction where the differentiator could be either the biological or the psychological process. Absolutely. And my next question is actually connected to this, uh, right? And uh, the question is that often the onus to get better, right, lies entirely on the person who's suffering. Uh, so, for example, there would be comments like, oh, you know, you're not feeling well, get help and sort of sort this out, right? When actually the onus should also be on the immediate ecosystem, right? Because while the person who's suffering will try his or her best to get help and get better, there would be environmental stressors, for example, um, that would impede his or her uh, recovery process. Financial stressors in today's time, and that's why I talked about economic security, um, relationship stresses. Yeah. Um, I, like I mentioned, I've just written the book Alone in the Crowd on Urban Loneliness where being isolated or not having meaningful relationships being the significant stressor. These two, I think, are the most important ones which we need to look at. So emotional or social security in terms of support systems and financial security in terms of any crisis. These two aspects would be at the top of any kind of environmental factors for any human being. Doctor, my next question is um, a slightly sort of data loaded question, um, and um, it is it is more about policy changes that I want to focus on. Um, and as as a practitioner, I'm sure you will have a lot of valuable information to share with with us, including a very nuanced uh, perspective on this. Um, India is obviously currently in the midst of a mental health crisis, and uh, I think the latest data data that we have says that an estimated 15% of the population is actually diagnosed with at least one form of mental illness, uh, and particularly post the pandemic, right? Um, now, if you look at the developed countries, uh, they allocate between 5 to 8, 18% of their annual healthcare budget to mental health, while in India, we allocate about 0.05% of our annual healthcare budget to mental health, right? Um, the One of the aspects of the mental health crisis today in India is the sheer lack of medical health that is available out there. And by that, what I mean is that there are far less psychiatrists than what should be available. If I have to look at the data, it says that there are actually 0.75 psychiatrists for every 1 lakh people. Let me just say this again, 0.75 psychiatrists for every 1 lakh people that are suffering in India, right? So uh, therefore, it's a hugely underserved uh, sort of space. And uh, while this is a very, very complex problem and uh, obviously can't be solved by one individual or one organization or one hospital, what, according to you, uh, having spent so many years in the, in the field, is the way to take at least the first couple of steps towards addressing this issue? So I don't think funding per se, when it comes to budgetary funding by government, uh, can be looked at um, one of the key factors only, because I don't see it like that. You also need to understand that a larger percentage of those practitioners that you talked about are actually in the private sector and not in the government sector. The other aspect is, yes, funding needs to come to mental health, but I think for a solution for a country like ours, we need to understand public-private partnerships is the way forward. 
and funding needs to be also the responsibility of the civic society. So government needs to fund yes. more, no question. But corporate India needs to also invest in mental health. Thank you for saying that. So yes. not just government, corporate India needs to do that as well. Healthcare providers need to be given and given a lot more support to develop mental health programs. We have a deficit of experts is a fact. This yeah. deficit may take a very long time to become significantly less. Now we can't wait for that time. So what are our immediate solutions? Our immediate solutions are public-private partnership, ensuring insurance sector coming into mental health at all possible levels, ensuring that more and more training happens right at the district level, Anganwari worker level, primary healthcare level, the family physician, general physician's role into mental health solution for our country needs to be appreciated, encouraged, and largely incorporated so that only those requiring the specialist go there and most of the other problems, especially early intervention is taken at earlier levels. That's where mental health curriculum for schools, teachers with basic counseling skills, mental health outcomes at corporate level. All of this is a part of the solution, not merely budget. Of course, budget is required, but we need to look at it on a very solution-based approach, which not only prepares for a future, but also brings in a more here and now relief to people who are struggling. That's why some of the things that are enumerated need to be collect worked upon by everybody and everybody is a stakeholder. When it comes to yeah. mental health, there is nobody who can say, I am not a stakeholder. Yeah, because even though you may not be ill today, there is no guarantee that you won't be ill tomorrow, right? It can happen to anyone, anywhere, irrespective of caste, creed, color, how rich or how poor you are. I mean, it's an illness. It can impact you and affect you anytime, right? And, and doctor, when you talk about, um, uh, let's say, the deficit, right? Uh, um, I mean, as someone who's on the other side of it, who is the patient. There have been many times when um, I would have not got more than 15 minutes with my psychiatrist uh, because he has that many patients to see a day, right? This is more a reality, I think, in the post-COVID world, but it was definitely an issue even prior to COVID becoming a part of our lives. And, and what I'm curious to understand, uh, doctor, is why are there so few psychiatrists in the first place? I mean, is psychiatry a discipline of medicine that is not, A, getting the kind of attention that it, it does? Is it not uh, lucrative enough? Is it not attractive enough? No, 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 no. Uh, what That's is the reason? I'm just trying no. to understand. It takes, what, five plus years of MBBS and then another three years to complete yeah. And MD in psychiatry are looking at almost 10 years or so at mm -hmm. senior residency. That's that's so every time you add a few seats in colleges, it will have an impact over 10 years in medical colleges. Similarly, sure. when you add more seats at PG level, the more and more colleges start adding seats. With the seats added in are also depending upon how many PG teachers are there. So X number of PG teachers can have Y number of students under them every year. So there's a process around it, and that's why it is what it is. Yes, uh, lots of psychiatrists uh, from the country, I mean, Indian origin psychiatrists not practicing have migrated. in India, yeah. um, tend to outnumber Indian origin psychiatrists practicing in India is also a, a reality. But having said that, um, there are just multiple factors here. So I think just looking at and only having more psychiatrists is also not a solution. Expertization is also not the answer to mental health. There are various other factors that need to be looked into. And that's why I said everybody is a stakeholder. Everybody has a role to play to ensure the mental health for all becomes a reality. And healthcare providers and psychiatrists, clinical psychologists, psychologists are one part of it. Integral, important, probably the fulcrum. But there is a lot more that needs to come together for us to be able to uh, ensure mental health for all. Doctor, tell us a little bit about your own journey in psychiatry and how did you get into it? Is it something that you always saw yourself doing? Um, you know, just tell us a little bit about that. No, I did not. When I passed my 12th, I did not know the branch exists. Uh, I passed 12th in 89. I had no clue. 
Then I did my MBBS. Uh, this is Civil Hospital Ahmedabad, uh, BJMC College. All throughout my MBBS, I had not thought about psychiatry. Towards the end of my internship, the thoughts started trickling in. Um, felt that emotional support matters, started seeing the value of social support in a more different way. I had a few books, saw a few shows, had a few experiences, then thought that this is a branch I'd like to uh, really, really explore. Most well-wishers at that time uh, discouraged me. Uh, they thought it's, it's, it's a silly decision that I'm making. Uh, take any other branch but this. I remember my interview at that time and I said I want psychiatry. It somehow and doesn't surprise also, me at all. Yeah. My interviewer also told me, are you sure you won't leave it in a few days? You're taking a seat. You are getting <laughs> medicine. You are getting this, that. I'm sure. I said, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then I went in, but I was half sure, half unsure. And I went in and uh, probably in a two months time, I, I realized that uh, the single best decision of my life. And uh, it just changed everything for me. And largely goes to uh, the kind of people. Whatever I have been able to do and I continue to do is essentially, you know, we are a culture where guru is all that matters. So Dr. Bharat Panchal, my teacher, has shaped everything that is there. Uh, we, in fact, have the Bharat Panchal dialogues and we give an award, the Bharat Panchal Award of Excellence every year on our annual uh, conference. Uh, we do that every year. And under his guidance, uh, generations of uh, mental health experts have come out. So the, his influence and then my colleagues and the environment that uh, Civil Hospital Ahmedabad in the psychiatry department, uh, what E2 is where we were. It was absolutely remarkable. Some of my seniors, uh, Dr. Himanshu Desai, a big name in Gujarat. Uh, my own uh, colleagues, uh, Kamlesh Bhai, he's now uh, an associate professor in Surat, Ajay Bhai, who's now looking after the mental hospital in uh, Ahmedabad. Um, other colleagues, my other seniors, uh, then the people who came after I joined in, uh, some of them are doing brilliant work. Them. Gaurang, who's very well-known psychiatrist in Gandhinagar, Anshuman, who's a brilliant psychiatrist in Punjab. So there was this environment where I was there for about three and a half, four years uh, that really, really shaped, frankly, not just the professional in me, but remarkably changed the person in me. And all of that, whatever the direction I took post-2000, when I joined my earlier organization and then moved on to Fortis, was essentially every aspect of this was coming right through there. I, I believe in the Guru Shishya Padati. I believe that, you know, that's where our roots and culture is. So you know, Guru guides and the Shishya follows. So whatever has happened, it's, it's frankly Dr. Panchal and all my other gurus who were my friends and colleagues and seniors. I mean, I think it truly is your calling. And I mean, that's just so evident uh, given how passionate you are. There are a lot of psychiatrists I know and I've interacted with uh, uh, it, through my journey with my mental health. Um, but there are very few that actually do advocacy as um, as effectively as you do. Um, understanding that you know, it's not just the medical aspect of it, but there is a large social aspect attached to this. And I think that also needs to be addressed in order for us to be able to effectively do something in this space. And you do that and you have been doing it uh, for, for so many years now. You've also written five books. Uh, quite a few of those books are for children. Uh, I'd love to know more about, about these books. So, yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, prominent in two publishers, um, let me start with the children aspect. So Macmillan uh, Publications has worked closely with us. Those were our first books, which were those uh, do-it-yourself life skill manuals that we designed for children and teenagers where they could just go through the manual and learn some life skills. Started with that. And uh, then we wrote uh, the mental health curriculum, which is, is a manual which right now is being used by schools and both in India and in some schools in UAE where we've done training as well, which is uh, training given to teachers so that they can impart mental health curriculum throughout the 10, 10 years plus that the child is with them in the growing years. And then... Um, and doctor, is it something that I've had a very, very here... uh, good relationship? Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was just curious to know the book that you mentioned, uh, that is, uh, you know, the mental health curriculum book that you mentioned. Is it something that a lot of schools here are, uh, you know, making yes. a part of their... All right. I think, yes, they, they, they invite us to uh, take uh, a training and when they 
then they use the curriculum. Um, and uh, then uh, on a parallel track was the Rupa Publications. Uh, so I had a very good relationship, close relationship with Kapish, who was the MD of uh, Rupa Publications. It was his idea to start writing books. I still remember that conversation that we had over lunch where he told me that we need more people to write on mental health in India. So you need to promise me writing a book very regularly. So what started with a manual for adolescents, which was a manual on adolescents, mental health for people who work with adolescents, which was Let Him Not Sing. And thereafter, we um, wrote uh, a comic, which was uh, Laugh and Learn, which was a comic for children and teenagers, parents also, on um, a lighter way of learning the skills around studying exam skills. And thereafter, the parenting book, which was Raising Confident Children, a 52-week guide, and now uh, Alone in the Crowd, which is on urban loneliness, and two books we are writing currently, which should also come out hopefully by the end of uh, 2022, again, Rupa Publications. Uh, besides that, we've written a short um, self-help um, 26 tips of A to Z of empathy, uh, which was um, a very reader-friendly way of just looking at empathy, which in between when looking with uh, Livonics. But essentially, that's been our journey when it comes to writing books. But we are very committed to continue to writing in mental health. I so wish that when I was an adolescent and when I was growing up and when I got diagnosed with uh, clinical depression and anxiety, I had these books to read because it would have helped me understand what I was going through and my illness better. But uh, I'm just so glad and grateful that doing this and you're leading from the front and you're leading by an example and doing uh, so much to raise awareness, not just uh, at a corporate level and at a society level, but actually really, really brass tacks level and starting very young with children, right? Um, and I think that is really what is going to be the real game changer. I just want to also um, talk about your pizza theory, which is the last question I'm going to ask you in this segment. So I have been telling young people that, you know, imagine that life is a pizza. So you don't cook one slice of a pizza, you cook the whole pizza. Yeah. So which basically means you can't just be playing and not studying and just can't be studying and playing. Because if your pizza had slices, then if one was parhai, studies, other was play and fun, one was your creativity, one was your friends, and other was your family as well, and then there is something about your own self, your health, your fun, all of that makes one nice large pizza. Now, if you cook the whole of it in a balanced way, by giving due importance to each slice of your pizza, then you'll have a nice and delicious pizza. And now you add some toppings of your own choice, which is your personality, which is your goals which is your likes which is which is who you are and that makes every pizza unique pizza we don't need to churn out the same pizza everybody is a different pizza in their own way so that's how you look at it so balance of life and valuing all aspects of life equally is how you lead a successful positive good life yeah, such a simple but a fascinating thought, right? Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going to move on to my next uh, section of questions. It's take five with Piali. Um, just five quick questions and very, very quick uh, rapid fire answers. A book on mental health that you would like to recommend to listeners? I think any and every book that you read has a mental health component to it. So I would recommend keep reading, keep reading. And rather than giving a book's name, I think travelogues and biographies are two things which will open up your mind a lot. Great. Um, complete the sentence. Mental illness is? Is a medical illness. Thank you. <laughs> what is the one thing you should not say to someone fighting a mental illness? Then it's your fault. Because it isn't. Exactly. <laughs> Your recipe for self-care? Take a bit time out for yourself. Um, indulge in things that you like doing. So I, I love spending time with plants. I listen to a lot of music, primarily Hindustani classical music. Uh, prefer vocals. My absolute favorite uh, listening would be uh, late Pandit Jasrachi, late Pandit Bhim Sen Joshi ji. Um, if I just listen to any half an hour of a recitation and I just feel completely a different person. So 
give time to what you like doing and that's what I do. So I wouldn't, um, I, I don't uh, like to socialize too much. I totally don't like a uh, late night. I don't like unnecessary mingling, but I would much rather have my own space. But then that's who I am, which does not mean that you need to do the same. Each person needs to find what gives them their uh, positivity and that self-care. So nurture a passion and an interest, essentially. Yes. Yes. And finally, as a doctor, um, what is your message of hope to millions of people out there living with uh, one or more forms of mental illness? See, I think hope is there. Hope is there because, see, if you look back before 50s, we didn't have a single medication. We didn't know how to treat. Look now. We have evidence-based effective medications, evidence-based effective therapy. In 89, as a 12th class student, I did not know a branch like psychology, psychiatry exists. Today, we are talking about mental health across all conversations. So which basically means a progress is in a continuum. It may not always be at the speed we want, but that's life. You take what it gives you and you keep striving for more. Thank you so much, Doctor, for having this very, very important and incredible conversation. Uh, even if this is something that can change one life, I think uh, this is time well spent. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you. Time for a mental health. Did you know? Did you know that half of mental health issues appear before a person turns 14. That brings us to the end of this episode of The Mind Podium. If you found this conversation thought-provoking, please do subscribe to The Mind Podium and click on the bell icon. Also, share it with your family and friends. Together, we can normalize conversations around mental health. Catch you soon.